Good afternoon and welcome to another Mind Over Money, where every week we bring you some great financial tips, life hacks, and try to educate you on different financial topics. My name is Van Pappas. I'm your certified financial planner and private CFO with Oxygen Financial. And this week we are going to talk about spending. And so every week we bring on a guest who has some expert knowledge on stuff. We have we've had great guests like uh, David Carter for talking about legal documents and um, Allison Nines about insurance and Tom Hogan about mortgages. And we'll continue to bring you great guests week after week. Um, but this week I'm flying solo and we're going to talk about building a family spending plan. So, uh, you know, when we talk about finance and money, you know, we, we have to start somewhere and our spending is a big part of it. You've heard me say over and over in, in these weekly uh, sessions where, you know, there's nothing you do in life that doesn't cost money. You wake up in the morning, what do you do? You jump in the shower, you turn on the water, well, water costs money. You flip on the lights, electricity costs water. You get in the car and maybe go to Starbucks or go to work, gas costs money. So, you know, having a family spending plan is pretty important, uh, making sure that we know what we're spending and uh, where we're going. And being prepared is a big part of that. So, you know, how concerned are you? You know, are you just flying blind through life? You know, just, hey, I, I charge something, I pay my credit card bill, and, you know, that's about the end of it. And I don't know where I'm spending my money or what I'm spending my money on. I can't tell you how many new clients I pick up that that's their response is, I don't know where I'm spending my money on. I know I'm spending it. I just don't know where. So being prepared is is really important. Uh, towards your financial future. And procrastination is a huge one. It's the number one reason people are not financially independent and are not successful. And I like to use the word make work optional. I don't like retirement. I think, you know, we'll spend a, a, one of these sessions just on retirement and deleting the word retire out of retirement. Um, and so, but procrastination is the number one reason. You know, you say, oh, I need to, to look at my finances. You talk with your spouse or your partner. Hey, we need to have a talk about our spending. Okay. Hey, we need to have a talk about our spending. Okay. And that just keeps going on and on week after week. And all of a sudden you find yourself six months later and going, remember back in March when we said, oh, we, we, we need to sit down and have a talk about our money and our budget? and we never did, well, that's that's what happens all across America. So, you know, we want to make sure that we don't procrastinate. We just need to go ahead and do it now. And budgeting is really part of that conversation. Now, I've tried every kind of budget in the world, and frankly, most of them don't work. And if you can get yourself to a point after you've done the groundwork and, and made a base of your finances, if you can get to the point where you don't have to budget, that's absolutely great. But to start with, I think you're going to need to do that, right? And, um, you know, that's usually the biggest financial argument. You know, what do we spend our money on? 
you know, he wants to spend it on cars. She wants to spend it on shoes. I know that's stereotyping, but whatever it is that you want to spend your money on, a lot of times it may not line up with your partner or your spouse. And so it's a becomes a big financial argument, right? And um, and and that then tends to lead to budgets failing because what happens is you say, all right, we're not going to spend more than X amount on on uh, you know clothing or whatever it is that you're arguing over, and then all of a sudden you go over that. And what happens is, you know, then you that causes the argument to come back up and you're like, wait, we discussed this. We put a plan together. We said we weren't going to spend more than X amount on that item. And here we are three months in and every month we've gone over that. Right. So you got to take control. You got to take control and understand that at the beginning, when you first start, you're going to have to follow that budget pretty religiously. When you get to the point where you don't need a budget anymore, that's great. That's when we start talking about uh, the concept of paying yourself first, right? Where we have a goal and we carve out that goal first, and then we don't care what happens underneath, right? One or two things is going to happen. If I pay myself first and I carve out $500 for XYZ goal, and then I pay all my bills, at the end of the month, I'm either going to be positive or negative. And if I'm negative, well, that's not good. I need to look at my bills and see if I can't cut something out of those bills so that I don't go negative. If I'm positive, great. It's the end of the month. I was positive. I, I have extra money. Go out and have a good time. No one's telling you life's too short not to, right? But you got to carve out that pay yourself first amount and then pay your bills. But at the beginning, we're going to stick with we need to create a budget. And, you know, starting a budget really starts with a profit and loss statement. All right. Any business, the owner, the CEO, whoever's the top dog, whoever's running that business, what they look at on a regular ongoing basis is a profit and loss statement. And you need to do that in your house, too. You need to run your business, your house like a business. Right. Your house is just like a business. You have employees, your spouse, your children, you're an employee, and you need to manage those expenses of those employees. All right. And by having a profit and loss statement, it also helps you understand where the money's going. Right. How much did I spend eating at McDonald's? How many lattes did I get from Starbucks? It's really eye-opening when you can start seeing that, and then that can help you um, modify some of your behaviors. If you say, here's an expense that we're just spending too much money on, right? We're spending way too much money on X, Y, Z, and we've identified that in our profit and loss statement. So let's do a better job. Next month, let's try to go to McDonald's one less time, two less times, three less times. Let's cook at home a few more times. I use that as because that's a biggie, right? Eating out, whether it's McDonald's or a you know, fast casual restaurant or a high-end restaurant, Americans spend more money eating out uh, in their discretionary items that they spend money on. So we need to make sure that we can create a profit and loss statement. And then once we have the profit and loss statement, we need to look at where the money's going. 
Once we can see that, then we can have that conversation with our partner, our spouse, or our kids about how much of that profit and loss is fixed and how much is discretionary. The discretionary, obviously, we have a lot of control over. Sometimes the fixed, we don't. We don't have a lot of control. We talked a number of weeks ago with Allison about insurance, and she talked about um, checking your insurance. All right, insurance is a fixed item, right? We have to have the insurance, home insurance, auto insurance, whatever the insurance, we have to have those. But she talked about how that fixed item, you can still shop it around and see if you can't reduce that fixed item. It becomes more difficult with your fixed items, your fixed expenses to reduce those than your discretionary, but you should be able to see in your profit and loss how much items were fixed so that you can determine, okay, this is what I have left, all right? And then, like we just said, shop your bills, all right? I can't just go, hey, I'm just going to buy this and spend it and not do it. I know no one likes doing it. No one likes using coupons or going and looking for the sale items, you know, or trying to find reduced items or markdown items. It's a hassle. I get it. But if you want to be successful, those are the things that you need to do with your profit and loss statement. You identify where you're spending the money, look at those bills and see if you can't shop them for a better price. You know, go to Allison for insurance, you know. Check out, uh, we had a Tom Hogan for mortgages. Hey, you know, are we getting the best deal? Probably you are today because anything that you got on the mortgage prior to the last year was at a super low rate. And we know that mortgages today are much higher. So that's probably not going to be a source of reducing your expenses. But those are the things you have to look at year after year. You can't just do it once and say, okay. I'm 30 years old. I did that. I don't have to look at it again until I'm 65. No, you need to look at it year after year after year. And if you can't do it yourself, get some professional help, right? Reach out to a financial planner, preferably a certified financial planner. I always recommend you go with a certified financial planner. Anyone can hang a shingle outside their door and call themselves a financial planner. But CFPs have gone through that rigorous coursework training and sat for the the ridiculously hard two-day-long exam to get those credentials. So I always say, go with a CFP, right? So what are other things we can do with our family budget and our family spending? Well, we need to look at credit, right? Because credit is a crucial part of today's life. It's not like the olden days where you just whipped out cash. Pretty much every place is going cashless. Hell, my local pool went cashless. You can't even buy anything at the concession stand at my local pool with cash. And so this has become more and more prevalent. And so we need to make sure we understand how to use credit, right? Make sure we don't get ourselves in trouble. So often people leave home for the first time, 18 years old, they show up at college or, or whatever they're doing and they get these offers for credit card and they have no knowledge of how to use a credit card, what the benefits are, what the downsides are, what the pitfalls are. And so we got to make sure that if you are in that position where your credit is bad, um, that we take steps to fix it. And if you're in good shape, then just some tips and tricks on what to do to make sure that your credit stays good. 
So obviously the first one is you should always pay your balance, right? You should try to have a zero amount on your credit card at the end of each month. When that bill comes, you need to pay it off. If you can't pay it off, then you probably did a poor job with your budgeting because you shouldn't be spending more than what you have. So pay off your balance every month, all right? So if you want to understand how the credit card works and the debt works, you need to make sure you always pay on time. That will be good for your credit score, all right? You need to make sure that even if you can't pay the full balance, you're paying something more than the minimum each month because that will keep you in good standing, all right? Month after month, you just want to make those payments on time. Always make sure you pay. Don't ever forget. Put an alarm. A lot of credit card companies now will have notifications where they'll text you, hey, your, your card is due today. Um, to make sure you don't miss it and don't miss it, all right? Now, there are some things that you don't want to do. We don't want to miss our payments, right? But we also want to make sure that if we are going to keep a balance, that we look at the available credit we have to the balance we have. Why is that important? Because there's a 30% rule, right? And if your credit utilization is more than 30%, basically I've got more balance than available, you know, more balance than available credit over the 30%, then that's going to ding your credit score. And so if you do have to have a balance, right? I've got a credit card that's got a $10,000 line of credit and I've got $3,000 of debt on it, all right? I'm at 30% now, all right? So make sure you do that. And a, a, a neat trick that I like doing is making multiple payments, right? So instead of just waiting and saying, I'm going to pay the whole thing at the date that it's due, if I look at my monthly profit and loss statement, I say, hey, I can go ahead and pay some of it now, get it out of the way, and then my balance is less when I come to the date that it's due. So there's nothing wrong with making multiple payments. Every credit card will allow you to make multiple payments. You know, there's not a single one that will say, no, we don't want to take your money. We'll only take it all at once or we'll only take it on the due date. That's just not going to happen. Now, I put in here, eliminate nuisance balance. What I mean by that is it is shocking to me how many times I come across someone, a new client or someone I'm talking to where... They have these tiny little balances at these other credit cards that they either forgot about or they're just paying minimum payments. They went to Kohl's and Kohl's offered them 25% off their purchase if they opened a credit card today. I really hate those deals. You know, I get it. Hey, you just saved 25% and I'm all for saving 25%. But what happens is you got to make sure that you pay that balance. And then you put that Kohl's card in a drawer and never use it again. You got your 25% off. You, you received the benefit of getting it. Now you don't want to use it anymore because what will happen is you'll end up with this small little nuisance balance. Pay them off. Go through and look and make sure that you've paid all those off. All right. And then if you're going on a trip 
or you're going to have a big purchase. Hey, you know, we're going to go to Iceland and it's going to cost $10,000. Plan that out. All right. Because most people, they'll say, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy the airline tickets today. Boom. They put it on the credit card or there's a cruise. Boom. I'm going to put it on my credit card. And then because it's a big purchase and not part of their monthly budget, they get to the end and they realize, oh, I don't have any savings. And that's a whole nother conversation we'll have in the future is making sure you have emergency reserves or other types of savings. But they find themselves not able to pay that big purchase off. So then all of a sudden we're right back in the situation where we can't, you know, pay it off. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about investments. Again, that's for a future. We're talking today about budgeting. Um, but I thought I'd throw this in here because this kind of goes towards your budgeting, right? You need to understand, you know, how much you're going to need to make work optional. What's that number that you need to be able to stop working, you know? How, how are your investments structured to be able to get that? And why is that important? Because remember earlier I said that paying yourself first is part of your budget plan, carving out that money. Now, if you're fortunate enough to work for a company that has a 401k and you just tell them, hey, withhold you know X percent from my paycheck, you're well on your way. But you might need to do more than just carve out that 5% or 6% or whatever you're carving out of your paycheck, because you might find that that alone is not enough to be able to get you to the work optional phase of your life. And you need to make sure you manage all that so that if you say, hey, I need to, I'm carving out 5% out of my paycheck, but then in my PL, I need to carve out $5,000 a year to go over to this account that's going to be earmarked for my, you know, work optional years, my retirement years. And so that's why I think that's an important part of the budget. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the future. Hopefully you got a lot out of the spending plan. Do me a favor, sit down tonight with your spouse and say, let's talk about our spending and see if you really have uh, or are on the same page. And if not, give me a call, give your financial planner a call, go out and find a CFP so that they can sit down with you and talk about how to craft a strategy around the, the family uh, spending habits, the family budget. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next week on another Mind Over Money.